Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snack Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome into a special Tuesday episode of Finsider Radio, the Jake and Josh Show. I am your host, Josh Houts. You can follow me on Twitter, at Houts, H-O-U-T-Z. I am joined by my co-host, one half of the Tag Team Champions of the World, the one, the only, Jake Mendel. You can follow me on Twitter, at J-M-E-N-D-E-L-94. Before we get into the podcast, I have to ask, Jake, how's it going today, man? I'm good, I'm good. It's hot, it's muggy, it's a little miserable, but I mean, I guess that's just kind of life right when you really think about it no i'm kidding but um uh yeah it, it, it's it's super hot i'm hoping it rains but it's not looking like it um the heat got swept the red Sox are looking okay so i got that going for me but overall i mean it's uh it's still just waiting around for the dolphins to come around and do something and, and obviously i just mean whether it's mandatory mini camps which begin uh june 15th and run to the 17th or if it's just spring training spring training yep yeah. uh if it's the preseason the, the summer camps. I mean, I'm I'm all here for that. I'll I'll absorb any news that comes out and um, overreact to it just as we should. Yeah, man. I mean, that's honestly what it is. I mean, that's why we all joined Twitter. That's why we all got into what we do. I mean, it's because we just devour all of this information and we spin it however we damn well please. So it's a lot to talk about, and I'm excited, man. And so basically, I just kind of hinted at it. The mandatory mini camp. That's like the last little bit before we've fully turn the page to the 2021-22 season. Obviously, the draft and free agency, all that things have happened. But in terms of the NFL's calendar year, that is all part of last year. Um, so the the mandatory mini camps that are taking place next week are, quote-unquote, the end of phase three of the offseason. And the offseason is split in, up into three parts. And so if phase three is coming to an end, that means we're about to enter the pre-preseason. Right. So we got I, what I wanted to do here, Josh, is I wanted us to get ahead of all the storylines, what everyone's going to be talking about, because outside of the many camps, and I'm sure we're going to hear some things like today, we actually just heard that the Dolphins uh, will have joint practices with the Falcons. So that'll be pretty exciting. Uh, but everything for the next month is going to be straight up speculation because nothing else is really going to be happening. So I want to do speculate about what we'll be speculating about by breaking out the top 20 storylines we're going to have in this awkward phase of going from uh, the end of the 2020 season to the beginning of the 2021 season and what the specific storylines will be for the Miami Dolphins as we go to those training camps, as fans pile into the uh, uh, bleachers in Davie, Florida, and they're, you know, zooming in on their phones. I've even seen fans there with binoculars trying to see whether it's George Godsey holding the uh, NFL or the uh, offensive play calling sheet or if it's Xavier Howard is even there. These are just some of the things we're going to talk about here. So, Josh, let's let's start right there. I think one of the biggest things that we're yet to talk about, and it's like where this conversation is like a pitcher throwing a no-hitter. Everybody knows something's happening, 
but you just don't know where it's going to end up. And that's Xavier Howard and those contract talks, because I think we've heard three, four different times that Howard's not happy with his contract. He is kind of open to sitting out until he's the highest paid player on the Miami Dolphins. He is currently slated to make about 2.5 mil less than Byron Jones this year. And you could understand where his grip is coming from. But Josh, here we are June 8th. We haven't heard much about this. And, you know, the camp's coming up. That is where Howard would be able to, you know, make his biggest statement because he could appear, but he's so far shown that, you know, he's sick and professional through whatever he uh, uh, disagrees about in terms of contracts. You're right. And I mean, I think the prime example is Aaron Rodgers. We see him sitting out yep. camp. You know, there were huge circus now surrounding that. So, um, you know, we can sit here and speculate whether, you know, Xavier Howard truly wants to have a new contract. I mean, let's be honest. He wants to get paid like the the number one corner in football. And he obviously wants to be the highest paid corner on his team. I mean, he just hit double digits interceptions for the first time in how long in Miami Dolphins history. So, I mean, this is that player that, again, that you can build that defense around. So, um, you're right. Fans are going to be there with the binoculars. They're going to be zooming in to try to see what's going on there. But uh, you have written here, he accounts, Jake, for 7% of Miami's total cap space this and next year. And, I mean, that's a pretty big chunk of money. And, again, this is a player who has Tons of speculation surrounding him. Dolphin fans, you know, every other week seem to want to move him. But um, uh, he wants to get paid, and this is definitely that big, um, you know, looming cloud over training camp. I have to wonder if we haven't seen anything too dramatic about this, just based on the salary cap. Um, obviously, that sounds like a, a no-duh type of statement. But in the sense of pl playing with money this year is uh, – different than it's going to be with playing money next year in terms of how much the salary is going to balloon. I think it's already relative in the area of $30 million is going to be popped on that uh, salary cap next year. So I wonder if they've even had conversations in terms of uh, we're going to make cuts in training camp. Uh, we're going to get something done this year and the Dolphins push to get something done this year because once cornerbacks uh, start asking for more money next year, it's going to absolutely blow these numbers out of the water. So like the Dolphins did the first time around with Xavier Howard, I think they jumped on the bandwagon early and they actually got an incredibly team-friendly deal. And again, the negative side of that is now Xavier Howard uh, wants a new contract. I mean, even if you know Howard got what he wanted the first time around, I think we'd still be at this point, which is okay. Howard deserves to get his bag. I think... The Dolphins are just so much of a better team with Xavier Howard on the field that he deserves to be, you know, 7% of the total cap. I mean, Byron Jones, like I just said, is just above him. I think he's at like 7.2, 7.3. But I mean, giving Howard that extra little bit led the league in interceptions last year. And I could probably count off the top of my head four or five different times, whether it was Kyle Van Noy jumping in front of an easy interception he had. Obviously, Van Noy didn't really know what was going on. He went for the interception himself, took the ball away. Or I think there was two or three. I think Jacksonville might have had one where Howard just straight up dropped it. And I'm not trying to say that if, ifs and buts and all that stuff because 10 interceptions is still fantastic. But this guy's just a straight-up stud. And, and I think that's going to be really interesting. I think that's going to be one of the first tweets we see Almost any day that reporters or fans are allowed um, in in the uh, practices, in the bubble, wherever it may be, is is Xavier Howard there with the team? Yeah, heaven forbid, you know, he misses, uh, you know, he doesn't come out on the field with the rest of the team, you know, because of a hamstring, you know, he can't yep. tie his shoe quick enough, has to go to the bathroom, you know, we'll all be speculating. But, um, Jake, I think we can both agree that Xavier Howard's worth a new contract, worth being paid, you know, as the highest paid corner of football. But, uh, I mean, we talked about a little bit on this last podcast do we think the Dolphins are going to shell out that money for him? I mean, do we think that they're kind of laying, you know, the foundation in place? You know, they're they're drafting a Noah Igbenogany. They're bringing in Holland. You know, they even signed Byron Jones. I mean, if the, again, if there was a team that could believe in their secondary and their defensive system that they could just plug and play these uh, defensive backs, it would be the Miami Dolphins. So I think, you know, as fans, 
uh, we understand Xavier Howard is worth all the money that he's seeking. You know, we would love for the Dolphins to sign him, but at some point, you know, the Dolphins have to sign their own. And are they going to shell out, you know, uh, 10, 15 percent of their salary to uh, an Xavier Howard? You know, that's just a uh, rough estimation here, you know, but that price could seriously go up that 7 percent with a new deal. And are they going to invest that much money in a guy who, again, they might be able to see as, you know, maybe not as prolific as a need as the Dolphins fan base might. In terms of on-the-field competition, as we segue into our second headline here, is uh, the receiver versus cornerback battles. I don't care if you're closer to field one, field two, or field three. You're going to see something you're most certainly going to want to watch. Whether it's Noah Igbenogny working with the twos, whether it's Albert Wilson and Alan Hearns having to battle through the, the twos and threes in order to show that they still belong on this team. And that's why I'm going to bring up this, and it's more of a question when it ta- when we're talking about headlines. How often is our Twitter timelines, and as a result, whether it's the stories on, in the Miami Herald, whether it's the stories on the Finsider, how many, how often are we going to be talking about Jacoby Brissett, right? And and I'm not saying he's going to upend two as the starter. I'm just saying when we are going off these practices alone, there are going to be days where uh, Brissett balls out. I have to assume every quarterback is pretty good at their job. So when he's throwing to these guys like Allen Hearns, Albert Wilson, probably Jalen Waddle and Preston Williams a little bit, I mean, there's going to be times where he's going to flash, especially playing against the number twos. And it's only going to be a matter of time before someone's talking about, well, maybe we should give him a shot. I mean, he's still only 26 years old. He's from Miami, blah, blah, blah. It's like a match made in heaven. No, I, I don't think there's any chance he's going to upend Tua for the starting job. But they're gonna, there's going to be that little snowball that starts rolling about how Jacoby Brissett's deep ball is so incredible and everyone's going to fall in love with it. And uh, that's going to be a, a pretty tough couple of days, even though it, it's nice to have a backup quarterback that uh, is not only talented, but I think, Josh, both of you and I agreed that we, we thought he'd probably be one of the better backups for Miami to pick up behind Tua. Yeah, and I think the biggest reason fans, you know, weren't really sold on Brissett is because they thought he was going to make a huge contract after getting paid starter money with the Colts. That didn't happen. I'm looking at his career. He completed 586 of 983 total passes, <laughs> almost 6,500 yards, 31 touchdowns, 13 interceptions. So again, this is a guy who he has had some success in the league. He's familiar with this system. But Jake, to your point, you know, I think that first video, there was one that the Dolphins leaked out just showing off a couple of highlights. The same one that everyone was, you know, bashing to it. Oh, his arm strength didn't look the same. You know, the, the ball took too long to get there. They were also praising, you know, Jacoby Brissett. I think he completed a pass for Durham Smythe. <laughs> so, uh, you know, it's already starting. And I think we talked about it when Jacoby Brissett signed. You know, uh, it's going to be a very, very dark day if we're sitting there on game day. And, you know, at some point, too, is taking his helmet off. And we're seeing Jacoby Brissett come in the game because, uh, you know, Brian Flores is doing one of those unexpected Brian Flores things. That is the day that I am dreading most on Dolphins Twitter. Yeah, and it's going to be a little worse because we didn't have it last year. Um, we didn't hear about Ryan Fitzpatrick working with the twos or Tua working with the twos or someone's arm strength not looking all the way uh, right or Tua's walking with a limp. Like, these aren't things we could really rant about. I mean, I, I think we still did given the context that was available. But in terms of just seeing it and being able to take a picture of it and seeing a bunch of stories of people who were there talk about it, um, there's going to be a little bit of... Um, a narrative behind Brissett, I think, uh, when it comes to him having that one day that's absolutely awesome. I mean, the Dolphins have capable wide receivers from top to bottom, and, and that's one of the biggest battles going into camp. I don't think anyone's going to disagree there. So I think it's only a matter of time till Brissett gets a little love, and, you know, you can't have Brissett love without a little uh, uh, negative, I guess, thought about uh, Tua. So, so that's something to keep in mind there. Moving on, Josh, speaking again to the point of last year where we didn't really see what was happening, whether it was Fitzpatrick or Tua working with the ones, 
how clear is Miami's vision going to be when it comes to planning the running back depth chart, especially the fact we get to see the preseason. We get to see all these training camps and OTAs. We see that Gaskin's been the guy so far. Is that really how it's going to be? Or, or is this the Dolphins just really trying to feel out everything and, and find their understanding of who should be the starter at running back? Yeah, I mean, as we've talked about in previous podcasts and as we can, you know, talk about sort of blue in the face, no one truly knows what Brian Flores is going to do except for Brian Flores. But, you know, last year we did see, you know, a little bit of consistency, whether it be starting a map reader, giving Jordan Howard the rocks early on in those games. It wasn't until Miles Gaskey, you know, kind of took over that role and kind of took those carries, made the most out of him and said, you know, you guys aren't taking me off the field. So I think, again, that they probably feel a lot better in Miles Gaskin than they may have last year in the Jordan Howard and a Matt Breed. I mean, we as fans do. I know I do personally. So I think, you know, we'll see how it shakes up. We'll see how these Salvinock Meds, Malcolm Browns and, and Dokes, how they fit into this thing. But I think heading into this offseason, I think we can all chalk Miles Gaskin up as, you know, being that RB1. And, and you know, it's more than just a saying to me because because, again, last year we saw Breed and Howard kind of become those starters early on. But I think that Miles Gaskin from day one right out of the gate is going to be that starter. And Dolphin fans should be a little bit confident in that. And I think the coaches feel pretty damn good about that as well. And this question, um, I, I think we can expand on a little more because it goes past the starter, right? Um, you know, the, the team kept a fullback last year. Carl Tucker from Alabama is on the roster this year. He's a rookie. Uh, they've had Christian Wilkins play fullback at times. You know, we love to see that. Um, but then you look at the team this year. I mean, there's the Selvonic Meds, there's the Malcolm Perrys of the world, there's the Patrick Lairds, the cult hero that he is on this roster. So, I mean, Josh, is this a group where, I mean, I, it's, I wouldn't say it's studs top to bottom, no offense to anyone involved, but is this going to be a group that needs reinforcements, whatever it is, five, six, whatever, even 10 weeks into the season, kind of like we saw last year with Selvonic Med and, and DeAndre Washington having to have games where DeAndre Washington, I, I've said this a couple times, and I still can't believe it, playing 50% of snaps in a game for the Miami Dolphins. I mean, that that is not a good good stat for the team to have. And uh, Patrick Laird, near the end of the season, he had to have a bigger role, especially when Gaskin was uh, dealing with uh, the, the virus. And Ahmed, I think it was a shoulder injury at the time. So, I mean, this group, while I do like what, what, what Brown, uh, Gaskin, Ahmed does as a 1-2-3, do we have faith that this isn't a group that can, well, just, it's in the realm of possibilities, I guess I should say, that it could straight up bottom out? Yeah, I have faith that that could definitely happen. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I I think, and you know, you look at what the Dolphins did, it. they tried to claim a carry-on Johnson. You know, they have had some interest in some of those other pieces that are available. So mm -hmm. I don't think they're done adding to this running back unit. And I think you're right, outside of Miles Gaskin. And again, he only played 10 games last year. You know, there was some health concerns there. I mean, yes, he was on the COVID-19 list, but there was also other issues there. So can he stay healthy for a yeah, so can he stay healthy for a full 16-game season? I don't know. So uh, I think, you know, again, the Dolphins are going to definitely be scouring those waivers, seeing if another, you know, premier running back becomes available. And if not, you know, they might go out there and, and sign one of those vets like a Tiger or a Le'Veon Bell, like some of the fan base is absolutely gooing and gone over. But, um, Jake, let's uh, – if you're done with talking about the running back position, we can jump right into our next thing, and it's kind of uh, – funny you bring this up because it says how quickly will we put Jalen Phillips in the ring of honor and you know you say that as a joke but let's be honest you <laughs> yep. see that you see that the Dolphins fan <laughs> yep. base is already I mean I thought he was edge one in this class but you have here you know Chris Sims said he would have been right behind Chase Young if this was last year and that to me is absolutely insane to even think that you know Jalen Phillips is on that same tier and, and maybe that's just you know how I feel about Chase Young but but Jake how long before he is 
is in the Ring of Honor before a uh, is Jason Taylor even in there? Like, like I some Cam Wake's not in, right? I think Taylor is. I think maybe Thomas. I, I don't even think Ricky Williams is in. So, so how soon is Jalen Phillips going to make it into the Ring of Honor? This is such a fun topic to talk about because it's one thing to understand that uh, whether it's a running back, there are going to be people who are jazzed up about this seventh round pick. I don't want to put dopes in the spot here, but I just mean it's been this way for years. The seventh rounder, undrafted guy, he's going to be the guy that really turns around the Miami Dolphins based on what he did in the fourth quarter against the Giants in the fourth preseason game, yada, yada, yada. How did we cut him? This is the worst move ever. On the other end, there's that smoke around Jalen Phillips where all we hear about, this is the greatest guy when it comes to the three-cone drill to all the practice stuff, all the fundamental stuff you do leading up into the draft and you do without the pads on, Phillips has been absolutely incredible and no one has said otherwise. Obviously, the injury concerns are the uh, biggest thing, but the 2022nd team All-American is has been the king of off-season hype, and I don't mean that in a bad way. I think that he could absolutely be a stud. I want him to be a stud. I would love to have a edge rusher like a Cameron Wake who can come in and be that guy for the next 10, 15 years and not worry about it. But, of course, it's easier said than done. Um, and I think the key here, too, is he's going to be mentioned a lot because he can do different things, right? Whether it's rushing the passer or whether it's just paying as a straight-up outside linebacker. I mean, Van Ginkle was a rotational guy last year. Yes, everyone's saying he's going to be the guy to get more snaps this year with Van Noy out. Uh, that might very well be the case. But then the snaps that Van, Goy, Van Noy and Van Ginkle, see me try to combine them there, when they played together. So snaps are going to be in that situation We've heard hype about someone like Duke Riley, um, Vince Beagle. These are all guys who have not been lockdown starters. So I think Phillips is going to have that chance to uh, see his name up in that ring of honor figuratively very early on. Yeah, and I mean, fans are literally drooling over the, the pictures. And I guess that's what we do this this time of the year, right? We drool over everything we have an opportunity to. But, I mean, you see the photos posted of Jalen Phillips. You know how excited everyone is. And you're right. This is just a guy that just seems to be cut from a different cloth. And it all comes back to can he stay healthy? I think that'll be the ultimate thing here. If, if he can stay healthy, he could be, you know, the Miami Dolphins' um Chase Young, like a Chris Sims said, or the next Jason Taylor. I, I saw someone say uh, to CK Parrott, you know, this was what we, um, this was like the hybrid of Jason Taylor and Zach Thomas. This was the the child that we, <laughs> we expect. Yes, yeah, this funny. was the child that they we expected when, uh, what was it, Jason married Zach's uh, sister. So <laughs> again, he, he was built in a lab and he's just a different type of pass rusher than what the Dolphins had. But again, he's listed as a linebacker. So they have big thoughts for him. Um, and I'm excited to see where he is, but I think he will be in there before Cam Wake or even a Ricky Williams. <laughs> Moving on uh, from something that's a little more positive and that you know exciting development. How many podcasts, Josh? And, and this is this is there's a storyline to this, but my wording isn't obviously the storyline. But how many podcasts are we going to do once the regular season rolls around that are specifically talking about Miami's issues at center? I was going to say all of them, but I hope we're not talking about any of them. Because, <laughs> I mean, I think heading into the draft, we all thought they were going to address the center position. They didn't. And, you know, Matt Skura, he had some success at Baltimore, but, I mean, he's nothing more than a dart throw. So I think, you know, we'll be talking about the running game stumbling and pumbling, and we'll be talking about, you know, the center position probably for most of, most of the season, as unfortunate as that might sound. For all the great camp battles we're seeing develop for the Miami Dolphins, center is the one, and, and again, we make it clear on the show, uh, we, we like to kind of run down the middle, but we don't mind, especially when projecting things, talking in more of a positive light um, in terms of excitement, in terms of growth, because, I mean, we don't want to sit here and be 
every position is terrible. You know, what are we going to do? But center, I could not think of anything positive to say about the situation. Uh, behind Skira, there are two uh, guys who are on the practice squad. And Michael Dieter can play center, uh, too. Jesse Davis, maybe. I, I, I don't know. Overall, Josh, I, there is no backup plan at center. There is, I don't even know if there's a lot of plan at center. This is the one position that legitimately concerns me. Uh, and it's going to start whether it's um, practice one or preseason game one. Uh, where once that you know first fumbled snap, once that first bad snap, whatever it may be, uh, first false start, I just don't want it to snowball. Like, it's happening again. What are we going to do? There's nothing going on here. Because everywhere else, especially on that offensive line, it looks like the Dolphins have depth. But I just think center is, I mean, I can't even say this. It's not fair to say center is more unique. But to be that guy in the middle, I mean, even last year with Ted Karras, he wasn't great, but we knew he had experience. We knew he could be that vocal leader at the line and, and in the huddle. I just don't see the Dolphins having that that commanding voice, that commanding presence uh, front and center. No pun in, I guess pun intended, sure, on that offensive line at the moment. Yeah, and I, I just want to know how much we're going to be talking about um, the swamp ass towel like we did with Ted Karras last year because that was all we, all we talked about. I remember he came into camp with his little sweat towel on his butt and and that was kind of the whole story there. But uh, for me, Jake, I mean, I have a quote up from it. It was, I believe, the Miami Herald. It was an 11.15 a.m. update from one of the OTs, OTAs. And it says, Center Cameron Tom, the former Saints backup center, has impressed the Dolphins. Matt Skura, Tom, and Michael Dieter are competing at center. So, um, you know, Cameron Tom was a name you threw out there. That was a guy that, again, you're hearing in OTAs. and shorts. Yeah, you hear he looks good. But, again, you just need to see which one of these guys is going to take on that role. Because, like you said, I mean, Ted Krass wasn't great, but he had that you know, the vocal leadership and he was able to get the rest of that offensive line in order. And we don't know what some of these other guys are, but um, I was going to make a joke that Liam Eikenberg said he can play center. I know we (laughs) talked about before, but he also said he's never played center. So uh, I think the Dolphins have a plan because uh, why else would they completely ignore the position and, you know, not spend some of that lucrative because we saw they were, they were actively trying to, to get some of those big centers in free agency, but they just wouldn't pay the, the top dollar. So I got to trust that they have a plan in place, but I do think it'll be the story, at least on the offensive side, is going to be how well that center position shapes up. There's no doubt about it. Hey, I, I kind of hinted at it at the top there. Uh, the next one involves our pair of offensive coordinators, but before we do that, let's take a quick break and we'll jump into that on the other side, so stay tuned. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Jake, it's funny you mentioned hair because George Godsey and Eric Studswell, neither of the Dolphins' co-offense coordinators have hair, if I'm not mistaken, but that is going to be the big story of this offseason is how well the Dolphins' offense, you know, progresses and then looks different from one season to the next. We know they got the co-offense coordinators. We know they have all the cooks in the kitchen, you know, having a say in what's going on. So, Jake, tell me what you think is going to be the biggest storyline around George Godsey and Eric Studswell heading into the season. I think the first thing everyone wants to see is um... – 
weirdly enough, something bad to happen, right? Because that's the big question. What happens when the train rolls off the rails, right? Who's going to take the blame? Who's going to point the blame at the other one, right? That seems to be the big concern. And most people have been kind of critical about this approach of using the pair of offensive coordinators. And the main reason why I understand people being critical is this is new. Nobody, No team has done this. There's nothing to really compare this to. And for that, I mean, while I understand, like, I, you fear the unknown and, and there are those concerns, especially guys turning on each other, players choosing one guy over the other and then being an anonymous source to the uh, media, whatever it may be, that is a huge concern. But I'm pretty cool with sitting this one out and, and letting it really develop because uh, there are going to be people with their binoculars uh, up on the 15th roll of the bleachers looking to see who has that call sheet and who's calling it in uh, just during practice just to get that little idea of who's calling what, who does what better, and, and things like that. But in reality, this is going to be something we're all going to speculate about until – maybe week two, three of the regular season. On I hope it's not any earlier than that. But, I mean, this is going to be a storyline that's going to be 90% speculation until we see uh, regular season games. And I think that makes it a little more of a volatile situation of not being able to really pinpoint what's going on. It's kind of like most conversations we have in the offseason where we can say X, Y, and Z are happening, things seem good, things seem bad. But, I mean, we can spin it whatever way when it's offseason. And that's going to be the biggest thing is how this fan base and, you know, the different reporters spin this thing. Because if the Dolphins are going out there and not having success offensively, you know, who are they going to blame? They're going to blame Godsy and Studsville. They're going to blame, you know, Studsville if he has the play calls in his hand. Everyone's going to be pointing the finger at the guy calling the plays for the lack of the offensive success. So um, it'll be interesting to see the way it shapes up. It'll be interesting to see the way, you know, this does work. I pulled up a Cam Wolf article from ESPN. It actually says, as of now, there's one co-coordinator situation in the league. The Minnesota Vikings have Andre Patterson and Adam Zimmer as co-defense coordinators. And coach Mike Zimmer calls defensive plays. He went on to say the most recent co-offensive coordinator setup was the 2016 Chiefs with Brad Childress and Matt Nagy. So it has been done before. It has had a little bit of success in the league. We see it a lot in college. But, Jake, it's going to be very interesting to see the way this Dolphins offense goes from, you know, sputtering around last year, not really finding an identity, to finding what's best for Tua Tagovailoa and taking the next step in year two. Speaking of uh, discovering an identity let's look at number seven here and that is who will become Miami slot cornerback the Dolphins have a lot of strong slot receivers weirdly enough whether it's Waddle whether it's Alan Hearns strangely with his size he does actually fare pretty well in the slot and Albert Wilson these are guys who can really um make someone look goofy really quickly and 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 break a play wide open being a slot cornerback is not the easiest thing to do in the world so I mean the Dolphins had three guys maybe even four who are going to be in the mix here and it's going to be one of those things where it's like a neck and neck race where we can go every day and whichever guys talked about the most actually Josh I think that's kind of an interesting question because if a cornerback is being talked about usually it's a bad thing uh, in terms of, oh, no, they're getting torched all the time. But if they're not being talked about, it means the receiver's not being targeted. Or you're so good, you're Xavier Howard, and you're being talked about because you're intercepting every single ball you see. Uh, but when you look at this group, I mean, you got Nick Needham. Is he going to be able to hold down this job for the third straight year? Does Noah Igbenagy show some of that talent that made him a uh, first-round pick in the 2020 draft? Or does Justin Coleman walk in and look like an absolute stud? The fact he doesn't have to be that big cornerback, the fact he can kind of lean on the Byron Jones, Xavier Howards, Eric Rose of the world even, and just kind of do, quote-unquote, his job. Uh, 
he could kind of walk in and show that, you know, I'm a veteran. I know what I'm doing and, and we're just going to kind of go. I want to get one more paycheck. Or, I mean, Jason McCourtney is another guy there uh, who's in the mix. The Dolphins added him. I think he might be leaning toward the safety. But but even if he plays that type of safety, it's going to be like an Eric Rowe guy who's inside the box, which is what a slot cornerback does. So I, it's not exactly the same. Uh, but if McCourty is kind of being molded as a safety here, like he's done in the last couple of years, the slot cornerback job, I mean, the players are a lot faster and they're, they're more towards that wide receiver. And uh, your duties are a little bit the same. I mean, this is probably one of the biggest battles, you know, of the of training camp, you know, who's going to take over that role, who's going to walk away with that battle. And, you know, you got Justin Coleman here, you got McCourty, two guys who, again, both have familiarity with this system, both have done it in the past, but they are veterans. You know, they did come in on, what, one-year deal. So I don't know that they are truly in, you know, I don't want to say that they don't have a chance to take that job, but I don't know that they are, you know, they were brought in to be relied on to be that starting nickel. So for me, it comes down to Nick Needham and Noah Igbenogany. And, again, I just hope that Noah Igbenogany, you know, made enough progression from year one to year two understands you know the NFL game things are starting to slow down and he can start to forge that role in there because again we talked about in the last podcast but if you have Xavier Howard Byron Jones and then Noah Ibanagini at 21 years old you know locking down that nickel spot the, the secondary is going to go to the moon and and that's the way I see it playing out but um you know to count Nick Needham out after everything he's done that would be um a great mistake so I think it'll come down to those two guys again I could see Justin Coleman wiggling his way in there because I, I do think he's underrated I think again experience in the system and he's been a pretty damn good nickel but I think hopefully when all is said and done Ibanagini takes that spot what about you Jake do you have a early favorite in the the nickel corner spot I think I think I'm gonna say I think about six more times but Coleman is the favorite in my eyes uh, but I agree with you that I'd want someone like Noah Igbenagi to win and show that value of a first-round pick. Um, I know cornerbacks, they, they just take longer to develop, so I'm not going to be super panicking still. Uh, but, I mean, having your guys out there, the guys you drafted out there, is really all you can ask for. And if he comes in and, and plays like that stud, plays like the guy Devonta Smith faced, and where he said he was the toughest cornerback matchup he had in college— I mean, that's that'd be no doubt the best situation available. And kind of to continue this homegrown conversation, Josh, this is something I'm so surprised nobody's talked about. And this is also something I'm so annoyed that people did this to Von Godshaw last year, asking him when he was in his final year of his contract, do you want to come back? Do you think you're worth this contract? Yada, yada, yada. I feel like that's not fair because obviously every player would like to keep their job. Every player would like to be paid more. So it kind of seemed like they, the, the reporters pit uh, Devon Godshaw and the Dolphins against each other. And this scenario is a little different, but I'm surprised we're still not talking about it. And that is Christian Wilkins, who is entering the third year of his deal. Uh, the Dolphins are going to have to choose if they want to pick up his fifth-year option being a former first-round pick. So in year number three, this is where we're really going to realize, does Christian Wilkins become expendable or indispensable in terms of the being that anchor on the Miami Dolphins' defense, I believe? Yeah, I mean, we've been talking about Christian Wilkins. You know, some of the fan base has been up in arms about that pick, you know, since it happened. But, uh, he again, he plays one of those positions that you don't quite see those huge numbers. You know, mm -hmm. 47 combined tackles last year, one and a half sacks and an interception. I mean, he's not putting up those godly numbers, but neither did Ndamukong Sue, you know, when he was in Miami. And that's kind of why a lot of this fan base never thought he lived up to that contract. But the million-dollar question here, Jake, is is he indispensable? You know, can the Dolphins move on from him? You know, again, I think it goes back to just this defense and the scheme in place. I think that the Dolphins could absolutely move on from Christian Wilkins, bring in another guy, plug and play, and, and you know, be on their way. But I do think that, um, you know, Christian Wilkins is a very talented player. I think his best football is still ahead of him, 25 years old. So I think they'll pick up that fifth option. I think I'd much rather see Christian Wilkins, you know, stick around 
down to Miami. But again, it goes back to the Dolphins probably believing that they can bring in plug and play whoever they want. But Chris Wilkins is a pretty damn good player, and we can't overlook that he has some value on offense as well. Can't overlook that he's from Western Massachusetts like me, uh, Springfield native. I mean, that, that's probably the most important thing we can say about him. Uh, he was also used at fullback times last year. And, and to me, I saw last year a, a leader, um, someone who can, you know, shows he was a first-round pick and showed kind of that Brian Flores um, high level of character that he's been looking for in all his players, right? I think he was always the first one out there celebrating with his guys. He was always the first one to be defending his guys. And, you know, he was just kind of a fun person to have around there. Um, to kind of go back to something I said in a few podcasts ago, the jump from year one to year two is about growth. And then the uh, then on out, it's kind of consistency. How often can you do it? Can you make those uh, strong plays? Can you make those highlight plays more often to prove your worth as a growing veteran? And, Becoming one of the better players in the NFL. Something I saw from Wilkins I really liked uh, was his ability to kind of get in passing lanes and knock down balls. He deflected five balls last year, uh, and, and I do believe that includes his interception. But but this is a guy who understands his strengths and weaknesses and is doing what he can to use them to the best of his advantage. Uh, he's not someone who can get through every single double team, but he is also someone who understands that if I'm not going to get to the quarterback, I know where his eyes are, I know where the passing lanes are, and I'm going to do what I can to find other ways to disrupt the play without my hands being on the quarterback. And that's something I really enjoyed about having Christian Wilkins. It seemed like uh, the name's escaping me, but I feel like the Buffalo Bills had two guys on the inside of their defensive line uh, for most of the early 2010s. Uh, Kyle something, and uh, oh, I can't even think, whatever. But they did things in different ways other than just kind of, I blow, blew through the line and I got to the quarterback because it's never that simple. Or a running back came up the middle and I got him. I mean, that's just not really how it works all the time. And I think Wilkins has done a great job of using what he has to the best of his ability. Yeah, I had to look it up. I think it was Kyle Williams that you're talking about. Yes. But I do remember, you know, there was those big guys in the middle of the, the Bills' defense. And, you know, that is what Christian Wilkins is. And, again, He's 25 years old. I mean, I'm looking at his numbers. He had 56 tackles last year. You know, he only had 47 this year. He had more sacks last year, half a sack less. But I don't think that anybody would have watched the film and said that Christian Wilkins played worse this year. I mean, you continue yeah. to see him improve. And to your point, Jake, I mean, he's 25 years old. At this point, this guy is the freaking seasoned vet. You know, this is the guy that's been around from the beginning. And it's kind of, you know, um, you know, so maybe that is why he's taking on that role. Maybe that is why you see him running onto the field after every freaking play because he sees himself as that leader. So I, I like Christian Wilkins. I, again, I think a lot of fans, myself included, probably would have went a, a different way there at that pick, you know, many years ago. But he's on the team now, and he's one of the better defensive tackles in the league. And I'm excited to see where he goes from here. So um, if you're good on Christian Wilkins, we can touch on Wilkins. We can jump into your next question, which is, which rookie enters the preseason with the most hype? And Jake, I mean, I'm going to throw that one to you because there's a lot of rookies to choose from. This might seem like a uh, repeat, especially after talking about the Jalen Phillips uh, hype, but it's important to see the word preseason here. And that's basically who's going to shine the most in camp, you know, against in the organized drills, basically. I mean, we've already seen the panic of Jalen Waddle, maybe possibly fumbling two snaps. I don't think we have a definitive answer on if he uh, punts, excuse me, fumbling two punts. We don't have a definitive answer on that. Um, Phillips, the hype is there. Uh, does Holland start to get a lot of hype because he's going to be that starting safety? Does he become that starting safety? I think in order to be the starter, you need to have a lot of hype around you. So is he that guy that we're kind of keeping an extra eye on who's playing into that second and third quarter as one of those younger guys who need the reps? 
Does Eichenberg come in and look like a stud at tackle? Does he completely shake up this core the Dolphins have established that includes Austin Jackson, Solomon Kinley, uh, Robert Hunt? Does he does he shake that up in a good way and, and prove to this uh, team, you need to start me? I was a steal in the second round. Uh, I think that could be an interesting development. We could see hear him pushing around Agba or pushing around Jaden Phillips a couple times, and all of a sudden we're only talking about him uh, in terms of being that stud on the offense, especially early in the season. Uh, after the Dolphins started, I think it was three rookies on opening day last year. And then, you know, you could also go, is, is Hunter Long, Mike Jacecki, Durham Smythe, and Adam Shaheen combined? I don't know. I'm just saying we've seen some players that come right out of the blue, catch fire in the preseason, and gain all this hype and, and attention. So I, I could even see him making a couple catches or something in a couple uh, social media videos or whatever it may be to prove Hey, you know, you have Mike Gusecki here, but he's in his final final year. You got to see what you got in me. Let, let's see what happens. Is there an all of the above option? Because let's be honest. I mean, I every single time that they post post a video of any of these guys, you know, it's going to be this guy's the next Pro Bowl or, you know, the next great Dolphin. But um, to your point, I mean, you could seriously make a, a good case for any of these guys. I think Jalen Phillips will probably be my favorite because, I again, agree, I was yeah. pretty – I was pretty stoked on him before the draft, and he just looks like he's built in a lab. But, I mean, the fan base has to be so in love with Jalen Waddle, And every time, you know, despite him muffing two punts, you know, as soon as they show him catching a toe tapper or, you know, a deep ball from two, uh, the fan base will be, you know, losing their minds. So I think it could be any of those guys, Jake. But to your point, you know, when training camp comes around, we're just sitting here and big hard eyes, eyes bulging out of our head, and we're just stoked to see what these rookies can do. And here we go. Let's bring it home here with number 10. Uh we're gonna we're splitting this into two parts. My apologies if I didn't say that at the top. Um, this will be released Tuesday night, Wednesday morning, whenever uh, the miracle should, worker. Josh. Should we spin these? At, should we spin these as your ten, and then I'll do my ten? Since yep. the, we'll do that. Perfect, perfect. Yeah, it's a deal for me. So number ten here. Uh, let's close it up here on a, a very warm Tuesday, um, and that's the surprise cuts are coming. Uh, we're gonna start having conversation about guys who shine, and the only way guys can shine is if other people are kind of falling apart out there. And there are going to be some players we don't expect. The Dolphins have strong competition at a lot of different positions. Does someone like Alan Hearns or Albert Wilson kind of force the Dolphins' hand that they need to be on the roster? They were, they've were shown that level of consistency. Could someone like Preston Williams get beat out? I'm not saying, like, I think that's going to happen, but if Williams kind of struggles to get back into his zone, has a couple more drops, and Albert Wilson is looking like that veteran who's been here, you know, but I mean, five, six, seven years... It wouldn't be the craziest thing. I mean, we've seen the Dolphins, especially Brian Flores, do crazy things with this roster. Does Brandon Jones somehow play so well that Eric Rowe becomes expendable? Again, these are just random thoughts that came to my head, but there are going to be players that are cut from the Miami Dolphins that we aren't expecting. It's like the draft. When everyone does their mock drafts, everyone does their 53-man rosters. And believe it or not, no offense to everyone, we're all wrong. We're 100% wrong. We're going to have those mistakes. And I'm going. so curious to see how those develop and how Brian Flores and his staff come to these decisions because we've, we've said it most of this offseason. That's how we're getting through this offseason, by saying there are a lot of strong camp battles here. And there are going to be some talented guys who are going to try to be picked up uh, very quickly on other teams after uh, the probably the third preseason game, I'd have to say. 
Yeah, I see Twitter talking about a lot today, probably because the Dolphins are doing the joint practices with Atlanta now. But they're saying, you know, are they hoarding these receivers so that when one guy does go down, you know, they could move maybe, like you said, a Preston Williams. I've heard Lynn Bowden's name thrown out there over the last 24 hours. You know, could the Dolphins decide between him or Albert Wilson? I mean, from a fan's perspective, from my perspective, I look at it and I say, okay, you're clearly going to go with the cheaper, younger player. But uh, again, this is a Brian Flores team. And like you said, you know, just because we sit here and say, okay, that makes the most sense. He could go do the complete opposite. So um, the biggest one that you threw out there, Jake, was Eric Rowe, honestly. I mean, we talked about him in the last podcast, just what he meant as far as covering tight ends. But, you know, he fits that bill. You know, I hate to say it, but that bill of a player that is, you know, very good. Played pretty and, well. Yeah, a veteran leader, you know, plays pretty well. But the Dolphins could have a young guy on the roster they might want to get snaps to. And, you know, they could use that money to... To, to sign a Christian Wilkins or, you know, uh, a Jerome Baker, whoever it is. So lots of things that could happen between now and then. But you're right. I think, you know, I don't know, man. Lots of surprising cuts. But the one that won't be surprising and I can't wait for is Jakeem Grant. I hate to I hate to bring him down every I hate to bring him down every podcast. But but I got to do it. Jakeem Grant, that, that's the one. When he when he's on the opening day roster, I'm just going to put this little clip on repeat and, and tweet it out every single day. And yeah, like, like I said with the Williams and the Eric Rowe, these aren't things that if I was to rid of a 53-man roster, I'd expect. But that that's kind of the point here, that once these storylines get going, I mean, these surprise cuts are going to come, and we, I think it's going to be hard to stay on top of them, so we're going to kind of do our darndest to uh, make sure that's the case here. But uh, could, uh, Josh... Just before go we go on, could, could Byron Jones? Could Byron Jones potentially be a... a- I mean, that could, to me, could be, be like that move, huge. more than a cut. Right, there you go. Yeah, I guess I'd have to look at his contract, but he's one of those guys that, I, I guess that could be with any of these. It could be a move or a cut, but I think, you know, that's someone that you can definitely keep an eye on because, you know, maybe the Dolphins are having buyer's remorse already. Yeah, that's that's kind of the situation, but honestly, I got to say, and I think you've said it before probably more times than I have, I mean, I love the secondary the way it is. I, I don't want any changes. I don't want them trading Xavier and Howard. Um it's basically turn it into green eggs and ham. I would not, could not, and, and that's me trading Xavier and Howard nonstop. So that's kind of where I'd fit in. I, I kind of feel the same way about Byron Jones for um, when he lacks his inconsistency. I just think of his leadership on and off the field that I think that's really important uh, for the Miami Dolphins. But hey, you know, we literally just said it. That leadership, uh, it's a business. Leadership doesn't always uh, come come uh, in first place when it's a business. But Josh. This, this is fun. I like talking about this stuff because the whole preseason, this is why I got Twitter, right? It had nothing to do with the regular season. It had nothing to do about screaming that the Dolphins should bet Ryan Tannehill. It was because these training camp battles, uh, these storylines, they become so interesting when we start to get these little plays here or there, whether it's videos or a couple live tweets. And you can kind of see that vision coming together and you can kind of put together a, a couple ideas of what you're expecting. Or you could look, have complete egg on your face. I remember being excited. Uh, the first preseason game, I think it was 2013, that Bill Lazor went out there and Brandon Gibson was walking around in motion, and I thought the Dolphins were going to blow away the, the rest of the teams in the NFL. So, I mean, you win some, you lose some, right? Yeah, I mean, that's the story of our life, right? <laughs> but, I mean, this is this is literally why we got Twitter. You know, this is why we started writing about the Dolphins so that we could get on here and talk about the little things. You know, Jalen Phillips and how he looks at training camp or Jalen Waddle making a toe tap. I mean, that's what we're here for. And like Jake said, we're going to be here every step of the way this offseason. So tune in. Subscribe, review. That stuff helps us out so, so much. If you have the time to review that stuff, I mean, I check it a couple times a week. Puts an extra pep in my step. Uh, with this stuff coming, I, all these questions to be asked, all these storylines are really questions. So uh, we'll have to get a mailbag going soon. Uh, but first, I think we should get Josh's 10 out of the way. His uh, top 10 headlines going into uh, 
the preseason, just so in case we answer any questions before then. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter at H-O-U-T-Z for Houts. He has a little uh, Mike Gusecki cooking, uh, so you'll have to want to check that out about a little project Houts is working on. I can be found on Twitter at JimMiddle94. But Josh, I mean, it's going to get a little slow for the next month, but I, I, I think we're going to have a couple things to talk about to make it all worthwhile as we prepare for this 2021 season. We absolutely will. And as we always say, guys, thank you so much for listening to the Jake and Josh show, part of SB Nation's Finsider Radio. I'm Josh Houts. We'll talk to you next time. That was Finsider Radio, part of the Finsider.com and the SB Nation Network. Miami has the Dolphins, the greatest football team. We take the ball from goal to goal like no one's ever seen. We're in the air, we're on the ground, we're always in control. And when you say Miami, you're talking Super Bowl, cause we're the Miami Dolphins. We're the Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins number one. Yes, we're the